We're going to read today from Acts chapter 16, uh, just a few verses, verses 6 through 10. And um, we'll be focusing on those words, but we'll also be focusing on a a number of verses that will follow. I won't read them, but certainly will be part of uh, today's message uh, and, um, and our reflection together. Acts chapter 16, beginning at verse 6. And they, uh, they are Timothy, Silas, and Paul, apostles, disciples of Jesus. They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man from Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I'm not sure if you've heard or have been familiar with a Canadian television documentary series called Rust Valley Restorers. It takes place in Tappan, British Columbia, in an area known as Rust Valley because of its unique car community and because of its junkyards. In the area, um, lots of cars are still actively being restored mostly from the 1960s and 70s, like Chevy Chevelles, Ford Mustangs, including things like a 1941 uh, Dodge Power Wagon, maybe some of the things that we might see in town today. Couldn't help but think that this uh, opening illustration was rather applicable as we think about uh, town today and the happenings right here among us. Rust Valley Restorers aired on History Channel, and though it had already taken in an episode or two or three One particular episode caught our attention as Case shouted out, Hey, I know that guy who's delivering that car to Rust Valley Restorers. Case caught the fact that one of his teachers at school, Mr. Zamet, had driven in from Diamond City, Alberta, and had brought to Rust Valley Restorers a 1964 Pontiac Parisienne to be completely restored, a wagon, something quite unique, something that Rust Valley Restorers got very excited about. Season 4, Episode 9, which aired this past April on the History Channel, entitled The Family Circus, simply because the Zamet family is a rather large family. The three main characters 
who take in the 1964 Pontiac, like they do all projects, are Mike Hall, the owner of Rust Brothers Restorations, Avery Schof, Mike's long-term friend and business partner, and Mike's son, Connor Hall. And as they receive the projects and begin to work on restoring the cars, often Avery and Connor begin to sort of take over plans, if you will. They get excited about the car, and they begin to have sort of their own dreams and their own visions, their own ideas about what the finished product should look like or could look like. And before long, Mike comes into the shop and kind of calls them out as he's questioning certain things that they're doing, or he's seeing things that are happening that are beginning to derail from the original vision or from the ask, particularly by the car's owner. In this case, the Zamet family or Mr. Zamet uh, himself. And Mike steps in to make sure that the vision for the project remains on target. Mike, if you will, represents the owner's voice in the shop to make sure that the finished product is exactly what the Zamet family is hoping for and, of course, what they paid the shop to do. In the book of Acts, God is busy at work and He's, he's, he's building. God is... God is building His church. He's growing His church. God's creating powerful change in the lives of of many people. He's taking often lives that maybe look more like an old, rusted-out car, kind of hopeless, ugly, hurting, and He's changing them as people meet Jesus Christ and accept His salvation into them, accept the gospel into their lives. And Peter, John, Philip, Stephen, Barnabas, Silas, and Paul have already been hard at work all through Acts. But also, all through Acts, the Holy Spirit is constantly stepping in, constantly involved at Pentecost when the apostles are filled with the Holy Spirit, when the apostles are set apart for mission work, particularly Paul and Barnabas in Acts chapter 13, and in Acts chapter 15, when a disagreement comes between Paul and Barnabas, they learned what seems good to the Holy Spirit for them and for the people they are trying to reach. The Holy Spirit representing God's voice, the Holy Spirit representing God's vision, working out God's vision for His people, for His church, as He calls people into a living relationship with Himself. And in these short verses, I want to focus on how the Holy Spirit really represents God's voice or speaks God's voice or is busy with God's work of restoring lives into the kingdom in a unique and probably surprising and maybe unexpected way. 
verses 6 and 7, and they, Timothy, Silas, and Paul, went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to do that. Paul here in the book of Acts is on his second of three missionary journeys, and Paul has been witness to many people accepting Jesus Christ in their lives. And Paul has seen how all through the book of Acts, thousands of people came to a living faith in Jesus Christ. He's been witness to how daily the number of those being saved was added, increased. In Acts 6, we read of the number of disciples increasing daily, including priests becoming obedient to the faith, to the Christian faith. And in Acts 11, we read many people, more and more people believed in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so, Paul has been all over, personally, on his first missionary journey. He has, been, he has been seeing how God has been so powerfully at work. God has, God has sent Paul on a mission, and Paul has been planning to meet people, to go from place to place. Paul's been doing some strategic planning also in this particular missionary journey. He started in Jerusalem or Israel. He went north to Cappadocia, which are various areas of Turkey today. And he's also been in what today is known as the Balkans and Greece before he goes back to Jerusalem. But in this moment, as Paul is on his journey, as he's really sort of living out his strategic plan, his next, his next moves the Spirit steps in and prevents Paul, Silas, and Timothy from going further north into Turkey, and instead they head west. The Spirit forbids Paul, Timothy, and Silas. The Spirit does not allow them to speak the gospel where they had planned to speak it, where they had strategically planned to be in this missionary journey. Which shows that when the Holy Spirit is at work, and that as God is growing His church and calling more and more people into a living relationship with Himself, that there's always a combination between strategic planning and a great sensitivity to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And in this case, a great combination between strategic planning and a great sensitivity to the disruption of the Holy Spirit in the work of ministry. Paul, of course, has been completely consumed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, and Paul has experienced the Holy Spirit as one who convicts, that's his central role as identified in John 16, but Paul has also experienced the Holy Spirit as empowering 
And here in this passage, including the Holy Spirit empowering Paul, Timothy, and Silas to stop. He gives them the courage to stop and to go somewhere else. Neil Planning, a former president at Calvin Seminary, writes, when the Holy Spirit can sometimes seem more anonymous, while the Holy Spirit can sometimes seem more anonymous than the Father and the Son, He nonetheless does extraordinary work. He's a kind of secret agent, a very powerful one. He causes Mary to be pregnant. He identifies Jesus Christ. He drives Jesus into the wilderness. He unites believers. He sparks faith. And He generates gifts, including opening some doors where gifts are used and closing other doors. The Holy Spirit forbids. The Holy Spirit stops. Now, stopping is kind of a key, a key concept, right, behind all kinds of spiritual practices in, in your and my life. Think about Sabbath, for example. We stop from our daily work to what? To rest. Stopping means restfulness. When we observe fasting, that includes a stopping, right? It, stopping of maybe eating certain foods, or sometimes we, we stop being plugged into our technology. There's, there's stopping that happens in that spiritual practice. Some folks exercise a spiritual practice of simplicity, right? They want to live simple lives. And there's a certain stopping that happens, of not, not perhaps buying more or buying any more than necessary. The spiritual practices make space for us, for you and I, first of all, to be on mission, to join God on mission. The spiritual practices prepare us to what? Speak the gospel, to share the gospel, but they also make space for us to listen to the Holy Spirit speaking, including, including His guidance to stop from time to time, to stop. The Holy Spirit, through our prayer life, through our Bible reading, our devotional life, through our Sabbath keeping, the Holy Spirit helps us discern where we can be strategically busy, busy, whether it's as individuals or whether it's as a, as a church together, where we can make plans and live out those plans and strategically follow what we planned ahead of time. But He also helps us then to discern moments where we need to stop. We need to stop and allow Him to direct us. It might feel like a redirection on our parts, but direct us into the spaces, into the conversations, and into the decisions that we need to have, that God is asking us to have. 
Francis Chan in Forgotten God writes, without the Spirit of God in our midst working in us, guiding us, living and loving through us, we'll never be the kind of people who make up a community of believers that goes out and shares the gospel of Jesus. There's no such thing as a real believer who doesn't have the Holy Spirit or a real church without the Spirit. It's impossible. But what is possible is that we would individually and corporately quench and hinder the Spirit's activity in and through our lives. And I wonder, together with you, that it is particularly possible when we experience a stopping or closing of, of doors as somehow not being the work of the Spirit or not being the work of God in our lives, in the life of our church, and in our kingdom work. We can become those who lose the ability to know when the Holy Spirit is disrupting us or stopping us. And it's important we not lose that ability. It's important that we live into that spiritual practice. Why? Well, verses 8 through 10 help us to um, see that a little bit clearer. So, passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. This, of course, is still Paul, Timothy, and Silas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man from Macedonia was standing there, urging him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And so, when they'd seen the vision, they went down into Macedonia, concluding that God called them to preach the gospel to the people in Macedonia. The Apostle Paul sees this vision from the man of Macedonia. And he concludes immediately that this is a vision from the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit has just forbidden him, has just stopped him over here, but through a vision, he's equipped him. He's opened the door. He's instructed the apostles, the disciples to leave for Macedonia, and that's kind of important. Why? Because going to Macedonia would change the history of the world. It's there where the evangelization of the Western world begins. Paul begins to evangelize the Western world as he responds in obedience to this vision that the Holy Spirit gift him. Not long ago, uh, in a devotion found in uh, the uh, Our Daily Bread, Haddon Robinson writes the following, all Christians should be on the lookout for the man of Macedonia. That man or woman may be well-educated or have no education at all. He may drive an expensive car or he may be poor and make a living ransacking garbage cans. He may live next door, down the street, or across the sea. He may speak a different language, but whenever we find him and whatever his situation, that person, man or woman, has but one pressing need, and that is to know Jesus Christ as his or her Savior. 
And sometimes Haran goes on to write, that need is expressed as a cry for help. At other times, it's veiled in bitter hostility to the gospel. Many times, sins, errors, or crimes announce a desperate condition, yet despite the 1,000 different ways or the thousands of different ways, he voices that need. The plea is always the same, come over and help. Come over and help. The Holy Spirit, when He forbids and when He stops the apostles, isn't frustrating the mission of the apostles. The Holy Spirit is enhancing the effectiveness of their mission, of their work. And the Holy Spirit continues to enhance our work as well. When's the last time, maybe, that you and I, you and I have heard something similar? It doesn't necessarily need to be a vision. But we have heard something similar along the same lines come over and help. I wonder together with you that when the Holy Spirit stops us, when the Holy Spirit disrupts us, when the Holy Spirit maybe seems like He's frustrating us, He may instead be creating space in your and my minds and in our hearts and within the life of our church to hear the man the person from Macedonia, and that voice, come over, help. Come over, help. As we recognize so many people need help, need clarity, need hope, need the gospel. Tim Keller tells a story, uh, author, pastor Tim Keller tells a story of um, his parents hosting a very well-known speaker in their home, much loved and respected speaker. And this is years ago, Pastor uh, Keller has already retired from his uh, work or at least his position at Redeemer Church in New York City. So, teenager was many years ago, but he remembers this well, and he goes, the reason why I remember it so well was because this this respected speaker, when he was in our home, it was like we were all so aware of, of his presence that, that like the whole house seemed to change. First of all, he said the house was a lot cleaner than it was before uh, the, uh, the speaker ever came to the home. And he goes, quite frankly, the meals tasted much better when the speaker was at our home. And nobody seemed to get angry or frustrated. Everybody was sort of filled with joy when the speaker was in our home. And Tim Keller, as he's thinking of that particular illustration, that experience links it to our experience of the Holy Spirit, and he argues, rightly so, that so great should be our awareness of the Spirit's presence in our lives and in the life of the church, that nothing is as it maybe once was, 
Everything is touched. Everything changes. And as we live with that great awareness, maybe through our spiritual practices like prayer and Bible reading and Bible study together, we, we experience the Holy Spirit enhancing our work, our faith, certainly sharing our faith, and getting us to hear what we need to hear, come over, come over to the person, to the people, to the community that needs us to be there and help us and help us. And like I said, I just want to spend just, um, why is uh, that so important? Well, because the Spirit continues to be on mission in this world, obviously, we're, we're a part of that. I want to take just a very brief look um, with you at three stories that follow in Acts chapter 16. And three really wonderful examples of how God changes individual people. In other words, though, though Acts 16 verses 6 through 10 might be a little unsettling and surprising, certainly this language of the Spirit forbidding and stopping the apostles, we see that before long, great things are happening. The first person we meet following that passage is Lydia, perhaps a well-known character. In verses... Um, 13 through and 14 uh, of chapter 16, read, on the Sabbath we went outside the city, um, outside the city gate, Philippi, uh, Philippi's city gate, to the river where we experienced, expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who were gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God, interestingly. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Here is an upscale business person to whom the apostles are led. She was a worshiper of God, and what we know about Lydia is that she was very familiar with the Jewish faith. She knew who Yahweh was the Lord God Almighty. But, but Lydia, Lydia was, was still struggling to receive Jesus Christ as her Savior, including the work of Jesus into her life. Lydia, Lydia needed something rational. Paul and his companions sit down with her. They open the Scriptures. They have a mini Bible study with Lydia. And the Lord opened her heart to what Paul was saying. What was Paul saying? Well, Paul was teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what was that? Lydia, you are forgiven in Jesus Christ. You are guaranteed eternal life in Jesus Christ. Lydia, you don't have to work so hard to get to heaven. Jesus Christ paid the price. So don't be weighed down by all the rules and the traditions. Receive Jesus. It's a powerful change in Lydia's life. And I think maybe something that we can identify with, right? Sometimes we get stuck with maybe our, 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 our traditions. And, and, 
And in those moments when we're honest with ourselves, we tend to lean more or count more on them than the work of Jesus, and that's a challenge. And only because the Holy Spirit redirected the apostles is this conversation possible and this powerful life change possible. In Acts um, 16, verses 25 through 40, sorry, 16 through 24, we meet the slave girl, a fortune teller. She had the spirit of Python in her often predicted future events that actually came true. Verse 18, she kept up shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God. She kept this up shouting for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the Spirit left. Unlike Lydia, the slave girl needed something powerful in her life, not something rational, something powerful. The slave girl needed a new master in her life. And the apostles, having been led to her side in her presence, are able to speak the saving name of Jesus Christ into her life. And the Spirit leaves, and, and the slave girl also becomes a follower of Jesus Christ. And finally, the jailer, verses 25 through 40 of that chapter, the Roman guard, he was standing guard at the prison doors, pretty tough men probably, hardened in battle, no doubt, and probably not very open to probably a gradual, reasoned approach to Bible study, not that man. God comes through him through an earthquake. Paul and Silas, the apostles, are now in prison, verses 26 and 27 of the chapter. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake. It was so violent that the foundations of the prison were shaken. The doors flew open. Everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when um, he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul tells him not to worry, we're all still here. The jailer needed something practical in his life. And he receives that, and his life and the life of his family is changed, and they become Christ followers. The Holy Spirit isn't frustrating the mission of the apostles. The Holy Spirit enhances the mission And lives are powerfully changed. And no doubt, no doubt, we have opportunity each and every day to help people understand that no amount of their good work or hard work will guarantee salvation or get them into heaven, that it is only because of Jesus' death and resurrection. And so maybe we need to be stopped to be over here, and instead hear, hear the Holy Spirit's voice and nudging, come over and help over here. This person's life, they need to stop carrying the weight of trying to get into heaven on their own power and be reassured that Jesus has already made that possible and secured it, or, or something powerful. We we might personally know, and if we go into our community, it doesn't take long at all to find people who are 
who've been overpowered by something, who need new masters, who need new lords, who need to be servants of the Most High and not to, not to whatever it is that's overtaken their life, whatever addiction that might be, whatever, whatever unhealthy, destructive behavior that might be. There's people that need to see us working practically, just practical things. The gift of hospitality is so incredibly powerful. Roman guards are around us today. They, they certainly aren't necessarily all that open to, to a Bible study or a reasoned approach, but when they see us in action, powerful things, practical things happen. It's just practical. And we're able to share the gospel, be the gospel, and hear that voice and respond in obedience. Come on over and help. The Holy Spirit pursues us. Like Lydia, in the circumstances of our lives and uses us in the circumstances of other people's lives to grow the church, to continually evangelize the people around us. He pursues us like the slave girl into the very depths of a very dark world and uses us to pursue others in the very depth of darkness as well. And the Holy Spirit pursues us like the jailer through creation to work out God's purpose of seeking and saving the lost and uses us in practical ways to to reach others. Today, um, we confess the Holy Spirit. We, we confess a triune God, of course. But today, we, I wonder if, if we need to become more comfortable in the spiritual practice of, of stopping listening, and then hearing how God is redirecting us, not just as He's restoring our lives, but as He's calling into the kingdom and restoring the heavenly kingdom, like the finished car project is well-imagined and all planned out, all its beauty all of its greatness in the mind of the owner and certainly the business owner. So the finished church, the whole church of Jesus Christ has well been planned out and well been imagined in the heart and the mind of God. Let's be encouraged. Let's be encouraged to receive the Spirit's disruption and then to come on over and help and lead people into a saving faith, a living faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior and their only Savior from sin, from death, and from hell. Would you pray with me for a moment? God, we thank You that Your Holy Spirit still lives in us. We celebrate um, 
specifically at our time of baptism, that You promise to pour the Holy Spirit out into the lives of those who are baptized and those who respond to Your promises made at baptism to be our God and the God of all of Your people and our friends, our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that You would continue Your powerful work in us, creating us to be more like Jesus. And as You do that, may we also, may we also experience in more ways and powerful ways the heart of Jesus, the mission of Jesus, the compassion of Jesus, and the awareness that even Jesus Christ had, so aware, God, the mission to which You call Him, and, and assuring us that the Holy Spirit doesn't just speak to us, whatever He pleases, but, but You, Holy Spirit, You lead us, You speak to us, and You, you bring into our minds the words of Christ Himself. And I pray that today, in the week that lays before us, and always, Holy Spirit, You would help us discern when You are forbidding us, stopping us to go certain places or spaces where we strategically think we need or want to be. Instead, Hear that call and that voice. Cry for help. And then, Holy Spirit, join you. Join you in the work of evangelism. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for inviting us to participate, bringing your kingdom here to this earth. And we pray for the humility and the strength and the courage to do that in a way that brings You glory first of all and in a way which others are able to welcome and receive Jesus Christ. Thank You, God, for um, challenging us and for encouraging us. And thank you for these powerful examples that you lay out before us from your word. And I pray, Father, that um, you would now lift up our voice in song as we together sing the glory you find in the cross and the strength and the power we find in the person and ministry of the Holy Spirit. Receive our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.